okay, we're supposed to do an episode every single day. But as this developed and as I talked to folks, you know, not everybody has the time to do that. I get it. Some folks are like, can I just record on the weekends and do? And I was like, you know what? Why are we making hard, fast rules about this? Here's the one rule. If on November 30th, at the end of the day or night, you have 30 episodes that you that you released in the month of November, you've won. you're ready for today's episode of Dead America doing Let's get into this. Welcome to this first episode of Napodpomo, and I am very delighted to have the founder with us, Jennifer Navarrete. Jennifer, could you please introduce yourself? Well, thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited to kick off the 14th annual Napodpomo National Podcast Post Month with you. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful thing that you've done here, creating this event for people. It's a boot camp. How did you come up with it? You know, um, it all really came from the fact that um, in 2007, I heard about this thing called NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writers Month. And, you know, people who like to write do 50,000 words in the month of November. And I was like, oh, hey, yeah, that's cool. I, I don't want to do that. But hey, more power to you. And then I heard about Nablo Pomo, which was National Blog Post Month. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. The blogger is 30 blog posts in 30 days. Okay, I get that. And I'm like, that's actually kind of cool. And as a podcaster, you're naturally a blogger because you're writing show notes. So it's, you know, kind of one in the same a little bit. And then I heard about Navlo Pomo, which is what they called video back in the day, vlogging. And you'll hear it some, some now, but mostly um, back then, that's what it was known as. And it was Navlo Pomo. And I'm like, what? even the video folks are doing a video every day in the month of November. I'm like, okay, I get it. There's this thing that people do in November. I'm hearing about it for the first time, but okay, let's, let's do this thing. Let me go join the podcasting one. And there was no podcasting one. And I just couldn't believe it. I was like, what? You have got to be kidding me. There's one for video, one for blogging, and one for writing a novel, but not one for podcasting. This is a travesty. So three days before uh, November 1st, I just threw it out there and said, hey, I'm doing this thing called Napod Pomo. And if you want to do it with me, let's see what happens. I don't know if it's going to work, if it's not going to work, if I'm going to be the only one doing it, but hey, whatever, let's go. And by the end of that first um, 
30 days, there were 50 people who had joined um, at some point because, again, it, there was no promo for this three days before. Who does that? Who creates <laughs> something and says, let's yeah. do this? Me, me, because that's kind of how I am. I'm a big person who believes in experimenting on the fly and taking the audience on the journey with me. And it's been going on ever since. Now, you know, we've had folks join all over the world and it's become something that's really this Napod Pomo family. And I like to call it the fail fast, get good challenge, because if you have been thinking about podcasting and you're like, I kind of think I might want to do that, but you're not sure doing it in a safe community space and with a community challenge like this is a great way to number one, figure out if podcasting is your thing or not. Number two, get get good because your show on day one and your show on day 30 is going to be vastly different. You will have discovered your voice. You'll have gotten, you will have experimented with things. You'll have a real sense of this is for you. And I've had folks who give me like glowing reviews for, for creating this. And the reality is they did all the work. I'm amazed. I had somebody who did an audio drama a few years back, an audio drama during yeah. NAPOD <laughs> Wow. I I mean, just all kinds of stories. There's so many stories that I get at the end of every every challenge. And those folks and I are still connected to this day. And it really helps foster this love of podcasting and it lowers the barrier to entry because for newbies, they're intimidated by podcasting. It can yeah. be a heavy lift. Yeah, I, I I hear that. That's for sure. You know, I really started dabbling back in 2007, but I really didn't get serious until about three years ago. And then last year I ran across your organized event here and I just fell in love. It's a way to create things on the fly. You've got to challenge yourself. And that's a wonderful thing to really try to reach outside of the box. And each year now I'm going to create a different theme and I intend to be around for a few of them, I hope. It's a challenge for even the expert podcaster to do 30 days in a row. I'm, I'm going to kind of cheat a little bit and I'm going to record them and have a way to, you know, send them out a little early, get people knowing about what we are doing with this. Do you have any tips or tricks for podcasters to get involved and make it easier for them to approach the idea? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you said that you're cheating, but you're not actually cheating because <laughs> in the very beginning, it, it started off as like you record one every single day or that was my premise, right? Because if you're writing a blog post every single day, it's happening every day, right? If you're writing a novel, you're probably writing words every single day, but you could also maybe save those words for the weekend if you're busy during the week. And for the video uh, folks, for the vloggers, I mean, they were posting a video every single day. So I kind of thought, okay, we're supposed to do an episode every single day. But as this developed and as I talked to folks, you know, not everybody has the time to do that. I get it. Some folks are like, can I just record on the weekends and do? And I was like, you know what? Why are we making hard, fast rules about this? Here's the one rule. If on November 30th, at the end of the day or night, you have 30 episodes that you that you released in the month of November, you've won. If you did a live show, a live recording every single day in the month, if you batched record on the weekend and release them out during the week, if you joined on November 30th and took the, whole, the day to record 30 episodes, guess what? You won. So I really feel like by lowering the, the, you know, quote, rules, which, you know, the only rule is to have 
30 episodes by the end of the month. Um, it, it really opens it up to more folks because what inevitably happens is that we kick it off on November 1. And even though this has been going on for 14 years, people will hear about it from someone who's participating or they'll see something on social and it may be November 15th and they think, oh, I, it's too late. I can't join. And I'm like, no, you can totally join. Do two a day. Batch record over the weekend. Don't worry about it. Just get the 30 episodes in. And even for folks who start and don't finish or who start midway and don't get all 30, it's still a win. Because the real win is in the doing. You will stretch yourself. You will grow. You will connect with others. You will, it, it's just a really great um, learn, share, grow opportunity. And I encourage anyone who thinks they might want to speak their story, whether it winds up being a podcast out in the wild or whether it's just something that they want to use to collect their thoughts or to learn a new skill. It's a great, great space to do it. Obviously, I'm biased. I, I created it. I founded it. But I also just hear so many stories from folks who have participated who are, their their worldview has changed, their, their production, their challenge. And you mentioned veterans, you know, folks who have been there, done that, like myself. I use NAPOD POMO as an opportunity to experiment because it's not like as if I'm really, you know, that people think, oh, Jennifer, you've been podcasting for 16 years. And, and in September of 2021, it is. I hit 16 years of podcasting. So you must be have everything on lock. And it's like, yeah, there's the standard stuff that I know how to do, but there's so many new tools coming out. There's so many new things, new ways of podcasting that I want to try. And Napod Pomo gives me the freedom to try and fail and maybe succeed along with everyone else. And it's very liberating. Yeah, you know, you you mentioned the tools. That's very interesting because a lot of people stumble because of equipment and how to record a podcast. There are so many simple ways to record a podcast and all you really need is your iPhone or even your Android phone and you're a podcaster. All you <laughs> really have to do is create the content to talk into that speaker, you know? So what is your suggestions about equipment and what is the importance of them and how and when should you pull in the better equipment? So I've been teaching and training and educating and speaking on stages about podcasting. And it occurred to me that technology and the knowledge gap were the biggest barriers to entry. So I came up with what I like to call the four levels of podcasting. Level one is mobile phone plus apps. You're absolutely right. If you've got a mobile phone and you download an app, guess what? You're a podcaster. And, and your people say, oh, but that's not going to sound as good as blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. It's going to sound decent enough. And a lot of times what you can do is pay mind, be mindful of the space that you're recording in. If you have a walk-in closet in your home, guess what? You've got a sound, sound booth. It's built in. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Go in there and record. And you're like, well, well, you know, I have people kind of give me a little bit of pushback on that sometimes. And then I give them a test. I'm like, okay, great. Pull your phone out. And wherever you think you're going to record your podcast, if it's an office, if it's a living room, if it's a kitchen or a dining table, I want you to say, hi, my name is, you know, Sally and I'm a podcaster. Now I want you to go into your walk-in closet and say that exact same sentence and then play back. Now let's have a conversation. <laughs> and that stops the pushback because the, the audio inside of your walk-in closet is marked, you know, is definitely better. Some people say, I don't have a walk-in closet. I'm like, great. How about a bedroom? The smaller the room, the better. The more things that are in that room, the better. A bedroom has, you know, a bed, typically a carpet, curtains, you know, things that will buffer the sound. And that's what you're looking for. Sound buffering. 
We're not going to get soundproofing. We're not in a professional studio, but we can buffer sound. And if at the very, if you're in a hotel room, I tell folks, throw, get some of the hotel pillows and put them on either side of your laptop screen, get a towel and put it underneath your laptop. If it all, you know, if you really want to go full tilt and don't mind being a little warm, throw a comforter over you and your computer and your mic or your phone. And, you know, that's, you're building your sound studio. So I think a lot of times the, the, the pushback that people feel like, well, I'm not really a podcaster because I'm doing it on a phone is that maybe it does sound thin. Maybe it does sound hollow. Maybe it has some reverb or some echo, but if you kind of shift where you record, you can sound pretty darn good. So that's level one. And then level two is you're like, okay, I've got a USB mic and a computer and I've got some software. Great. Awesome. Or you're doing something with an online service. Level three is where you're like, I'm building a dedicated home studio and and this equipment's not going to move. It's going to stay here. And then level four, which I feel like most folks who are new to the podcasting space will either find themselves at level one or level four. And level four is where you have a mission and a message. And you know that you need to get it out because it's a calling for you. It's important that people hear this. You're not techie. You don't want to be techie. You don't want to learn the things. You don't want to buy the things. But yet you know that your message should go out on a podcast. There's podcast studios, whether they're in person or podcast producers online, that you can turn to where all you do is sit down with your your notes And you hit record because there's a sound engineer, there's a producer who's going to capture all of those things. They have the equipment, they have the editing software, they have the skill set. And you can go in, record, get up, walk out, and within a week or so, your episode is ready to go out into the wild. And so those are the four levels of podcasting. And if folks understand those levels, they can identify which one suits them best. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to be in any one. I use all four of those depending on the scenario, depending on the situation, depending on the client. And having that knowledge is really helpful. But yes, if you have a mobile phone, you are a podcaster. I find that very interesting how you separate that out in the four different levels. And I've I've actually found myself dabbling in each of those levels myself. You actually are like a family of podcasters. You have it in your blood, it seems. What's that like? Um, I, you know, some, I always think that I have shiny object syndrome, right. And and my involvement in, in, in podcasting actually comes from me hearing about it in the summer of 2005 and going podcasting. What is that? Right. And so then I start, you know, you, you do a little research and I discovered Adam Curry's daily source code and I could not get enough. I didn't understand most of what he was saying. Like he was talking about ID three tags and he was talking about RSS feeds. And he was talking about all these things that was like, what? A big question mark for me. But I kept doing research and I kept connecting with other folks who were podcasting and learning from them and, you know, going to the various groups and message boards and kind of getting a sense of what what that was. And in September of 2005, um, I launched the Morning Brewcast with my sister. And that is where it all started, which is why September of 2021 makes the 16 year anniversary. I didn't know back then that the thing that I was like, ooh, this is kind of cool, let's do this thing, would become what I do for a living, would become a career. And yet, I think a lot of times folks think the things that they're interested in can't become a career, not to mean that it has to, but you might be surprised. I mean, when I first got into podcasting, I would go to business mixers and networking events and I would talk to folks and go, hey, have you heard about podcasting? The answer was pretty much no most of the time. On the rare occasions where someone said yes, I would ask them, you know, were they, what, were they, what were they listening to? And so it went down a little bit further to how many folks were actually listening to podcasts. And then when I went to the next question, which was, are you podcasting? I was speaking Klingon. 
I was super excited about this thing that I would thought was amazing. And I was speaking a foreign language to pretty much everyone except for my fellow early adopter podcasting geeks. And, and so it, it's been an interesting journey to kind of go along this way. What happened was a few years later, folks who met me at those business networking uh, mixers said, hey, you've been talking about that podcasting thing for a while or social media thing or video thing or, you know, whatever it was, it all ties in together. And they're like, can you come talk to our organization? Can you come train our company? Can you help us develop one for ourselves? And so it became a business, but that wasn't how <laughs> I did not know it was going to be a business. And so I'm very thrilled that I'm part of, of this podcast industry, which back in 2005 seemed like such an odd thing to think that it would become an industry. Yeah, it sure has grown. That's for sure. And the amount of technology growth, it, it amazes me. We're now we're seeing the development and implementation of podcast 2.0 finally. And these new enclosure tags, they're very exciting. And boy, I think it's really going to push the boundaries that we see more content coming out with these tags. What's your thought about the new tag system? I am absolutely a fan of podcasting 2.0. Yes. And this goes back again to Adam Curry, right? He's the podfather. He co-invented podcasting um, with Dave Weiner back in those early days. And now Adam is looking at the fact that podcasting is becoming a place of walled gardens um, of people trying to get rid of RSS feed because RSS, and if you have an RSS feed, that equals freedom. No one can take that away from you. You cannot be deplatformed. You cannot... Um, no one can tell you that you can't do it. And, and I'll, I'll go back to 2005 on one of the aha moments. When I realized what podcasting was, I said, you mean I can record something, put it up on the web and no one can stop me. And I was like, <laughs> sign me up. That's yeah. still true to this day. You know, people can still experience that for themselves, but people are also getting deplatformed and people are also getting, you know, blocked and they have, there's walled gardens where you can't come here. And so we won't name names, but you know who they are. They're the big, the bigger organizations who are publicly traded, who can control whether your message gets out there. So Adam Curry um, very publicly said, this isn't the, the, wasn't ever the way podcasting was supposed to be. And so he, um, along with Dave Jones and, and quite a few other folks have, you know, over the past year, in August, it became a year that they've been talking about this. Um, they created this podcastindex.org. And it's to foster um, the next level of podcasting, which ensures freedom because it's built on the blockchain. And when I tell, so now let's go fast forward, right? I told you that back in 2005, when I would speak to people about podcasting, I was speaking Klingon. Well, guess what? <laughs> I'm speaking Klingon again, because I'm talking about Podcast 2.0 about the value for value block, about uh, the blockchain, about content creation on the blockchain. And I'm getting that the, the glazed look again, but that's okay. I've been here before and I know what's coming and I can see the path that this is going to take. In the next three to five years, everyone is going to be talking about uh, content creation on the blockchain. In the next probably two to three years, everyone's going to be talking about podcasting 2.0 and they're going to all have the value for value block enabled and they're going to be giving boostograms to their favorite podcasters and they're going to be streaming sats to them and that's going to be common knowledge whereas when I say those things now people look at me like I'm crazy that's okay they'll eventually catch up and they'll also speak Klingon that's right uh, I'm right there with you and I I really want to emphasize what you just discussed there 
Could you talk a little more about this value for value model in podcasting? Because I think that's the important trend that we should be really looking at. Absolutely. So I saw a meme and I I saw it and I thought, oh, this is amazing. And I, I cannot find it again. So if somebody knows where this meme is, I would love to have it and, and to credit the person who created it. But I will I will share it here. It said Web 1.0, big companies create content, big companies make money. Web 2.0, we create the content, big companies make money. Web 3.0, we create the content, we make the mm-hmm. money. Let me let that sink in for a moment. In Web 3.0, which includes podcasting 2.0 because it's the next iteration of podcasting, we as the users create the content, which we're already doing in Web 2.0. If you go to Facebook, Facebook's not creating that content. We are. But who's making the money? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Like all of those big companies are making the money. Not to say that we, it's not a platform for us to develop our brand, to make connections, to sell our courses, to sell our conferences, to sell whatever it is that we want to, to connect with folks. It is that platform, yes. However, in Web 3.0, that happens and we make the money. And I'll tell you that I, in September, I do an experiment every single month. In September, my experiment has been to do a deep dive into the content creation aspect of the blockchain. And I had already been playing around with it because um, in earlier in 2021, and I actually launched a podcast with uh, my co-host Shane Mata called The Crypto Content Creators because I could, again, see where the trend was going, but I didn't know enough about it. I really don't know enough about it. The terminology escapes me, understanding the nuances, all of that, I, I didn't have an understanding of it. So for me, the best way to learn is to do. So on July 4th, I bought a domain called CryptoContentCreators.com. And then as soon as I bought it, I called my friend Shane and said, hey, I just bought this domain. I think if you're interested, I'd like to do an eight-part series and really dive into it and interview some folks who are creating content on the blockchain and being successful at it to kind of be as a way for us to guide in others, kind of like lower that knowledge gap and that understanding gap. And, and plus for me, it's a great way for me to learn. And Shane has been involved in the space for over two years. So he has a lot more knowledge than I do about it. And we launched that on, we recorded our first episode on July 7th. So on July 4th, I'm like, hey, I have this idea. I bought this domain. Let me contact my friend. He said, yes. But later on that week, we were recording episode one. And we've had some really great interviews with folks um, who are creating content and earning on the blockchain in the gaming field in the affiliate field and in and and folks who are like me diving into it for the first time kind of getting a sense of it and learning as we go right so this whole web 3.0 podcasting 2.0 thing going back to the value for value is that if what i have created has value to you you can give me value back and in the podcasting space that means you can stream me some satoshis what's a satoshi 100 million satoshis equals 1 bitcoin so satoshis are a fractional amount of bitcoin and then, or you can send me a boostergram with a note telling me what you liked about what this particular moment in the podcast. But also in the content creation space on the blockchain, which this all ties into, and I'm probably losing people because I'm speaking Klingon, but uh-huh. stay, stay with me, folks. I have been in the month of September behaving on the blockchain, creating content in the same way that I do on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, exactly the same. You know, original content, some of it is cross crossing over, but most of it is original. But that same type of behavior, right? If I tweet, I'm also doing that same type of behavior on the blockchain. If I post something on Facebook, I'm doing something like that there. However, 
when I get someone who likes what I created on the blockchain, I earn from that. When someone shares what I have done, I earn and they earn. So it's this, if you're an author or you're a curator, you're earning, there's earning built in, baked in. The behaviors that we already do on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on YouTube, it's baked in that not only does the creator make money, but the person who is curating, in other words, liking, commenting, or sharing that content also gets a piece of that pie. And it's such a like low, um, there's no friction. It's frictionless. And it's amazing to see how my account value has grown just by creating content. This goes back to, we create the content, we earn the money. If I didn't, if I didn't want to create content and all I wanted to be was someone who was liking content and commenting comment, content and sharing content, I could still earn. I could still participate in the earning ability of content creation on the blockchain. So the value for value is a piece of that in the podcasting space, but it, yet it's baked into the blockchain space already. So there's, again, it's frictionless and it's beautiful and I love it. And I cannot wait until the rest of the world truly understands this and, and comes in and gets to participate. Well, I see there's a lot more platforms really dedicating time to perfect this implementation of the blockchain value for value product. It's it's a way better model than a subscription base or any of the others that we've previously seen with podcasting. And I noted I noticed you stated freedom is with RSS feeds. That mm. is so true. And this is really why they started creating 2.0 and, you know, developing their directory to challenge these major corporations. So the little guy has a chance. I'm, I'm very uh, grateful for all the people putting time into that. We need more people really connecting and understanding what you just explained to us. It's it's not easy to understand at this stage because I'm sure when I, as I was talking, folks are like, I don't know half of what she's saying. I feel the same way. I listened to Adam Curry and David, uh, Dave Jones's podcast. It's called um, uh, uh, Podcasting 2.0, right? The Podcast Index. I only understand maybe a third of what they're saying. It's, it's like, it's not, there's, uh, uh, it's hard. Because I'm not a coder, I'm not a programmer, I'm not, my mind doesn't work that way yet. I still listen to every episode because the one third that I do understand is allowing me to get prepped in this space. I mean, my, the crypto content creators has a value for value block enabled so people can stream a Satoshi's. <laughs> it's awesome. You know, it's amazing. I can also, by the same token, listen to podcasts in podcast 2.0 enabled apps. If you're using um, some of the larger, well-established web, you know, 2.0 and web 1.0 companies to listen to your podcast, they don't have that enabled. It's not baked in there because they, they don't want this. They don't want you to have freedom and, and really to, to close the gap between you and your listeners. And the web 2.0 apps, which can be found at newpodcastingapps.com, I think, or if you go to podcastindex.org, there's a link there. But those are the podcast apps, both, you know, desktop, um, iPhone and Android, that will allow you to really engage more closely with your listeners and listeners with their, with their favorite shows because there's chapters, there's um, a live, the next thing they're working on is live. I mean, there's so many things inside of the namespace that 
even though I hardly understand what they're talking about, what I do understand as a longtime podcaster, as a fan of, as a fan of other shows, as a listener and a podcaster, this is an exciting time to be a podcaster. And if you can, you know, bear with the over technology aspects of it and kind of just dip your toe into the stream, it's real, really going to be well worth it for you to be there sooner rather than later, because the more folks that know about this, the more we can onboard other folks, the more that we as podcasters can maintain control and have freedom to share what we want and to cut out the middle guy, you know, cut out the middleman on some of that stuff. Now there's different things, you know, when, when you stream a Satoshi, the app that you used is going to get a piece of the pie. Podcastindex.org is going to get it, but they're small pieces in comparison to some companies who want 30% of everything you're getting or 10% of everything you're getting. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's worth a deep dive into it. And there's shows out there like, like mine, the crypto content creators, Dave Jackson has one called leading the bleeding. There's others out there where we're trying to, as we're learning, we're trying to bring folks on the journey with us. So it's a kind of a, a rough and tumble. It's not this finessed thing of like step <laughs> yeah. one, step two, you know, it's a, it's a little bit like step one. Oh gosh, I don't know what the heck I'm doing here. Somebody help me. <laughs> step two. Oh, that was easy. Step three. Oh God, what is this? <laughs> it's more like that. And so if you're not, don't have the stomach for it, I get it. There, there. It is eventually going to be a much smoother process. For now, it's a little bit of a, of a rough and tumble, but it's it's rough and tumble that's worth it just because of the the value for it. And again, uh, kudos to Adam Curry, uh, Dave Jones, and of course all of the developers because there's a whole host of developers from all around the world who are really helping to build these things and champion this. That's right. They're pushing the boundaries of technology. And that's good for everybody. Absolutely. Next portion here, I really want to touch on working with brands and sponsorship. You do this very well, but a lot of podcasters struggle with this. They have this anticipation of making money right off the bat. That's really not looking at podcasting in a real sense. What is your guidance to early podcasters about brands, working with brands, developing your own brand before you even push out to sponsorships? So in the in the uh, podcasting 2.0 piece, you kind of don't have to wait to earn money because your audience is going to be part of that thing. But in the traditional sense, yes, you're right. It's, it's a real challenge. And that's why Web 3.0 is extremely exciting because you can earn yes. money from day one, post something and earn something. So it's it's a different mindset. But okay, going back to, pot, to Web 2.0 in the traditional sense that most folks that we're operating in now, for the most part, I will tell you that if you think you're going to make money from the get-go from a podcast, um, you might be disappointed unless, and this is the big unless, you build the podcast with a sponsor in mind in advance. And there's a really great example of that. Uh, Jean, uh, I want to say her name is Chotsky. Chotsky, I'm probably saying that wrong. But she created the Her Money podcast with a sponsor. She's a radio host and she was given a copy to read for a financial planner. And and she's like, uh, this is going to be a host read. And typically if a host is reading something, it should in, in general be something that they know about or aware of or have used, you know, that was her comfort level. She said, I don't know enough about financial planning to feel comfortable doing a host read on this ad. She said, however, ask this sponsor if they'd be interested in sponsoring a podcast with me so that I can, I'm a woman of a certain age, so that I can learn about money 
And so that other women like myself can learn about money too. And the sponsor said yes. And the Her Money podcast was born. So she developed that show with a sponsor from the get-go. And I think a lot of times folks think, oh, I can't approach a sponsor unless until I have X amount of, you know, listens or X amount of shows or X amount of whatever. But I think out-of-the-box thinking like Jean uh, showed really does work. You can go, hey, I'm going to launch this podcast. It's going to be a podcast about your industry or, you know, talking to your right fit clients. And I'd like for you to be a partner in this with me. And so it gets funded from the get-go and you're not having to scramble to try and make it happen now. Is that something everyone can do? No. Average average podcaster, probably not. If you have connections, it becomes easier. If you're someone who's already in the business space and you want to do a podcast about your industry, it comes a lot easier to do that kind of model. But if you're going back to um, the average indie podcaster um, who you know is just like you or me, just a general person, there's a few ways to look at making money in this space. One, you can consider this as a way to develop your brand. And I can tell you that on my specific podcast that I've done over the 16 years that I've done them outside of the crypto content creators, because the crypto content creators is already making money on, on the blockchain. Um, but outside of that one, I've never made money on those. Where I have made money is that by putting my content out there and then talking about what I'm doing and what I'm learning, that whole learn, share, grow model that I'm a big fan of, um, people notice what you're doing. And so I have gotten a whole heck of a lot of business opportunities because of that. I don't go look for work because people know what I do. They can see it. It's out in the wild. And so now when people approach me, they're like, hey, um, you were referred by, or I see that you've been doing this, or I saw you speak here, or I attended that that you were at. And I, I'm thinking about doing a podcast and I'd like to talk to you about what it would take. And so then it's not a matter of, whether I'm qualified to do it, because I already know I am. Um, it's more along the lines of, is this, do we match? You know, are we a good fit for one another? Do do I have the bandwidth to take on their project? Um, do they have the budget to to meet that? And so it's a, it's a totally different conversation to have. And so that's one way um, of what, that is how I've earned money off of podcasting is just through my expertise and knowledge and, and gaining clientele from it. Another way to do it is, that you can um, consider looking at, you know, the, you hear the things like merch, right? You can have merchandising. Merch is actually pretty good. I'm I'm getting ready to launch some merch around Napod Pomo just because I kicked myself. Yeah. I'm like, why haven't I done that? I have clients who have done that. I have, you know, colleagues who have done it and been really successful. And yet I've never even thought about it. I'm like, holy cow, why don't I have Napod Pomo merch? This is like a big obvious thing. It's kind of like the cobbler's kids with no shoes. I want one. Um, so Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, that's good. That's good. Good endorsement there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. I, I really believe that's a good way for podcasters to project their image out also, because I went with some stickers and just simply putting a sticker out with your website on the back, you'd be amazed how many hits your website gets and listens your podcast will get with a simple sticker. So shirts, anything you can get your brand recognized, it's a wonderful thing. So I know our time is running short here. I do want to shift on a little bit about the challenges of getting involved with Napod Pomo. What's it like to sign up? How easy or difficult is it? And how should people do that. <laughs> so you need to go to napodpomo.org and you may be thinking, what? That's N-A-P-O-D. 
H-E-L-P-O-M-O.org. And there it walks you through it, how to get started. Really what you need to do is you need to give us your RSS feed because what I do every year is that I gather all of the RSS feeds from everyone who has submitted them within the first few days because we try and get them before, but um, then we make, we use RSS mix and we create a single feed of all the feeds, which I think is so fun. And it's great for a project like this. So instead of you having to subscribe to the, I don't know, however many people you know are, are participating, you can just subscribe to the NAPOD POMO 2021 feed and you will get everyone's who submitted their feed to me. You'll get all of those episodes all at once. And so it's kind of a nice thing. And it's, it's original every single year because it's different people participating every year. So it changes. So you need to submit your RSS feed. Uh, inside on napodpomo.org, there's a link to go to the Facebook group. And uh, so that's where, you know, we kind of chit chat with one another. I will say something that's going to happen new this year is that we are going to be doing really taking advantage of the social audio aspect that has really taken uh, the world by storm. Started with Clubhouse and now Twitter Spaces. And I'm just such a fan of Twitter Spaces. I host a, a, every Friday morning at 9 a.m. I do a cup of audio coffee for an hour and I it's oh, so much fun, so much fun, but I don't record those. And, and there's a way that you can record and Twitter is going to be releasing a way to record eventually. Um, they're in beta test with a lot of that stuff, but um, there's, uh, there's an opportunity to participate at any level. And so it's a really low barrier to entry. Some folks are like, I don't like Facebook. That's cool. You don't have to do Facebook. We're going to be doing stuff on Twitter you know, that's cool. Or if you can just submit your RSS feed, you'll be part of the community. You'll be part of the community feed. So that's where you start. And then as far as how difficult is it to get started, once you join the group, I mean, every, the folks, who have done it before are going to be very welcoming. You're going to find other folks like yourself if you've never done it before saying, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. And we're just there to be a great support to one another. And that's one of the things that's really amazing because it is international. I, I know it says National Podcast Post Month, but again, I was modeling it after all of the other challenges. I consider it a nation of podcasters and that nation is global. So, you know, everyone is welcome. We have folks from, you know, Australia, from the UK, from Europe, from um, you know, er everywhere, you name it, folks are coming and joining. And it really is a shrinking of the world as we, you know, go through this challenge together. And I will say, here are the four stages of, of NAPOD POMO as you experience it. On week one, you're nervous and excited and you're, you're, you're gung-ho for it. On week two, you're, you're still kind of excited, but now life is starting to creep in. Between week two and week three, you're you're wondering what in the <laughs> world you thought you were doing when you signed up for this, because you're you're kind of it's kind of a grind at that stage, and this is the part where you know you you really need your community to encourage you, because this is the part where you want to quit because you're like oh, I'm so busy, there's so much going on, and what was I thinking? And so there's a lot of that happening between week two and week three, but as you shift between week three and week four, you get a new energy because you're almost at the finish line. You can see the finish line. And also you kind of start to miss it already, even though you're still in it because you have met a lot of amazing people. You have heard a lot of great shows. You are seeing the sense, you, you do have the sense of accomplishment for what you've done so far. And, and so that week four is a little bittersweet because you're, you're excited about finishing, but then you're also realizing that it's about to end. And then afterwards, we do um, a little, on the Saturday afterwards, we do a little gathering where we, you know, jump on a Zoom or a, a toucan or some kind of, you know, thing where we get to see one another. And we do a couple of giveaways just to kind of celebrate and recognize one another. And so that is how it works. People, you want to get over, get involved with this challenge. It's 30 days of really experimenting new things. This year, I have new software that I am going to be trying out 
for recording and I'm going to use this 30 days to just introduce myself to new things and challenge myself in different ways. So it helps you grow in podcasting. Jennifer, I sure do appreciate what you've done for all of us podcasters. And I hope it grows into something bigger than what it already is. And there is a lot of people excited and waiting for what you've done. How does that make you feel? I, I'm actually kind of humbled by it. It's, it's, it's kind of like a it, it, Napod Pomo is my baby, right? And so you always want your baby to do well. I think the bigger surprise for me are is the feedback and that people are you know warm and genuine in their appreciation for participating in that pod pomo and I I feel like I didn't do any of the work you did all the work but they're they're thankful for the the platform and the the community sense of it but yeah I I do feel kind of maybe like a proud mama <laughs> Yeah you should it's it's a exciting and invigorating event. It really can make you feel better about what you do and how you give back to the community. It's exciting. I agree. Jennifer, do you have any words of wisdom or call to action for my listeners? I would say that if you've been sitting on the fence and you've been eyeballing and thinking about and considering podcasting, that this is a great opportunity for you to join and don't feel like you have to be the typical podcaster. I need to have the big yeah. expensive microphone and I need to have, no, 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 no. You've got a phone. Your phone is your production studio in your pocket. Start there. It's, it, it's just a great way to get started and don't feel like you have to be like everyone else. I, one of the things I will say is that um, when I work with clients is that I always tell them, I, what I want you to do is I want you to go listen to other podcasts in your genre, in your industry that you're, you're going to create your show for. And because it gives you a sense of what's out there and it also helps inform what your show could be because you could be like, oh, I like the way that they have a voiceover artist that does the intro or, oh, no, I really like the way that they do that the host actually does the intro or, oh, I really like how if it's an interview show, they pull a clip it, a clip from the interview and put it at the beginning before the show starts. Or I like, you know, it helps kind of give you a sense of what you like so that as you develop your show, you can integrate maybe some of those pieces. It also shows you what you don't like. Oh, I really don't like the way that they use their music or I don't like this. And so then you go, okay, I don't want to do that on my show. So use that as a research. Now, when you're using and um, listening to other shows and taking notes as you're listening to shows about what you like and what you don't like, this is the point where a lot of folks get intimidated. They're like, oh my goodness, there's some amazing shows out there in my industry, in the genre, in the topic. I, I, I can't compete. And uh, no, no, I, my idea for doing a podcast, it, it's silly. I, no, no, there's already people. And it's like, I'm like, stop yourself right there. Because everyone has a unique spice and flavor. And your audience will be naturally attracted to yours. There are night there on the nightly news on the tr on the three networks. There's three different shows on ABC, NBC, and CBS here in the states. Why is it that you are attracted to one nightly news over the other? They're both telling the news. What's the difference? Well, for whatever reason, you like the spice and flavor in the way that this particular network serves the news. So that's also true for podcasting. But in addition to that, when I find as a listener, when I find a podcast type that I like. I want one of every animal. 
I discovered outdoor podcasting a few years back. I didn't know it was a thing. I don't know why I didn't know it was a thing. But when I discovered Mm. one show, I blazed through their three years of archives in like two months. And then I was like, what else is out there? (laughs) And I went and subscribed to everything because I wanted to get more of it. And, And listeners are that way. We want it all. And so your voice, what you have to share, your mission and your message is important. Even if it's a comedy, even if it's something serious, even if it's something fun, whatever it is, somebody needs to hear it. And so get your message out there. Yes, podcasting is a way to comfort, heal, and educate. I love the media and I can't wait for what the future brings. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. And there's 29 more days. What are you going to do with it? That's right. That's right. It's going to be amazing. Join Napod Pomo. Be part of this revolution. Get your message out there. And thank you so much, Ed, for having me on here. I mean, I am super thrilled to kick off your Napod Pomo. I am super excited and honored that you took the time to share with us. You have a lovely day. Fantastic. Everyone, go out there and get some. Yes. (laughs) 